Welcome into my dog's favorite podcast, The Dynasty Dogs, brought to you by Win Daily. I am your host for this evening, Michael Anthony, and I will be taking this one solo because Rich could not be here tonight, and I hope to give you a better effort than Justin Fields and the Chicago Bears. So let's get right into some news from week three and to the future because we did not have an episode last week, so uh, we have a little bit to catch up on. Uh, we'll start with the Cam Akers trade to Minnesota. Essentially what that was was Cam Akers in a seventh, conditional seventh for a conditional sixth-round pick. I'm sure there's some, obviously, conditions because conditional. Uh, whether, you know, if it's Akers plays X amount of games or X amount of yards, maybe that changes into something else. Who knows? Um, put out a poll, you know, where people basically asking people how they felt about the Cam Akers trade to Minnesota in regards to Dynasty. And people are excited. Um for him to be in Minnesota. And to be honest, man, not really. Like, I don't really know what Minnesota is doing. They have to kind of rebuild and retool because this this team is pretty old. You know, Kirk Cousins, he's a trade candidate. People are talking about to go to New York. Uh, I'm not the biggest Cam Akers fan, and nor am I the biggest Alexander Madison fan. So I I guess that's going to be the two-headed tandem in that on that team. Uh, Cam Akers seems to kind of be a bit of a head case, unfortunately. Uh, there was issues last year with him where he was held out of games because they were trying to move him. Now they did it again this year, and they were able to get him traded. It seems like they just needed to find the right partner. I don't know. He's been boomer bust. He hasn't really. He looks good towards the end of the season last year, coming off that Achilles injury. Uh, this year, he hasn't really looked so good, and you know, in the games that he's played. Neither is Alexander Madison, to be honest with you. So Minnesota is one of the worst rushing teams and one of the least rushing teams by attempts in the league right now. So I don't know how this is going to really work out for Alexander Madison value this year, to be honest with you. And I am not the biggest Madison believer dynasty-wise in general. So I'd be looking to move him for somebody maybe wanting to uh, buy in on the hype and buy into the belief that in Minnesota he could be uh, an X-factor. And I just, I don't really see it. And I, I mean, there are there are some Cam Akers fans out there. I'm, I'm just not one of them. And I, again, I've said it here before. I put uh, Alexander Madha- uh, Madhouse, <laughs> Alexander Madison in the doghouse for a reason. I'm just, he has not looked good, especially against Philadelphia. He had two fumbles, I believe it was. I... I don't know. Minnesota has to figure out this running game, so maybe they think Cam Akers can do that for them, especially going into the future. But they're they're just especially they're bad on defense. They're and that you know that doesn't really help the running game. To be honest with you, I don't know. I'm not the biggest fan of this move at all. But you know, they wanted to bring someone in. But we'll get into the next thing. Mike Williams tears his ACL. Going to be gone for the season. Quentin Johnson time, I guess. But if you've listened to this again, I am not the biggest Quentin Johnson fan. He's got got, uh, inefficient hands. You saw the drops in preseason. You saw the drops in college. I mean, maybe the body catching thing gets fixed or has been fixed, but the hands are still not there. He's not really a great route runner, but again, maybe he can grow into that. Maybe he can get better at that. I just don't see it. He plays smaller than he is. 
he he's six three, six four, two hundred some odd pounds, and he's playing like he's a guy who's five six. He's playing he's playing the Tank Dell size, but Tank Dell's got ten times the dog in him than Quentin Johnson has. And now look, maybe I'm shitting on this rookie a little bit too much, but I, I've just I've not been a fan. I I really. He, he could fit into that Mike Williams role where he's a deep threat, but I just, I don't know. I don't really see it, to be honest with you. Josh Palmer is probably the better option on that team for a number two right now. Keenan Allen has obviously been a stud so far, and Mike Williams looked great until, unfortunately, he got hurt. But I, if you can sell Quentin John, if you're not really a believer and you have him on your team, because I'm sure there are people that are draft, that drafted him and their rookie drafts just because of the upside, they're not really a believer. There's probably somebody out there that will, you know, look to acquire him based on him being the number two, well, the perceived number two on that team going forward. But again, not the biggest believer. I don't trust the hands. I don't trust the route running. Uh, but again, this is the perfect landing spot because the LA Chargers are the second best offense in football right now for points per game, passing yards. And Justin Herbert just looks great. Hasn't had an interception yet. And that Kellen Moore offense is, you know, taking its talents over to L.A. And you could see it right away in three weeks. But I digress. So we'll get in. Another thing we got is JMO's suspension was reduced to five uh, week five. He'd be back week five. Not, again, another guy I'm not really the biggest fan of. He's a good field stretcher, but there are some mouths to feed in Detroit. And we're going to talk about them a couple times tonight because we have to go back to week three and we're going to be talking about the game last night. But there are a lot of mouths to feed on that team right now. And he's not really, I don't think he's going to be a big target earner because there's so many target earners on that team. I, I sold him in the offseason. Unfortunately, part of a deal for the cockpits, and that really hasn't worked out. But we'll see. I mean, again, the two guys I'm talking, I just talked about, Jamison Williams and Quentin Johnson, are extremely young and unproven. So, hell, I will eat crow if I'm wrong. But I, these are two guys that I'm not really interested in. And Quentin Johnson has, no, sorry, Jamison Williams really hasn't given me anything to be excited about except for one deep pass that was called back for a penalty and that he did have a touchdown too I believe last year but he he's been suspended already he's been injured multiple times he's missed practice for injuries he's missed games for injuries it's, it's one of those wait and see kind of things I, I'm off of him at this point but we'll see we will see Seems like Nick Chubb dodged a major bullet by only tearing his MCL. And when I say only tearing his MCL, that is uh, something that would put me out for the rest of my life because that injury looked disgusting. But it's a six to eight month injury, as they're saying right now. I obviously have to go in and do surgery on it. But if you were able to, because I saw in some leagues, people were selling Nick Chubb pretty friggin' cheap, man. I saw him go in a one QB league for a second and a fourth in a league I'm in. If he if he's back next year, you just hit the lottery on that one. And that's in one of my home leagues. So you know exactly who I'm talking about. But again, he he's probably one of the best running backs that I've seen in this generation of running backs. So if you can get him 
for a two and a four to absolutely do it. I don't think you're going to get that now because it's a six to eight week or six to eight month injury as opposed to a career threatening injury like people thought. But we'll see. They still have to go in and do surgery. They still have to go in and see what the actual full injury is, but that's the perceived injury at this point. But I'll tell you what, Jerome Ford's look pretty good. He put up an RB9 uh, showing last week. They did re-sign Cream Hunt, but I'm not really worried about Cream Hunt taking his touches by any stretch of the imagination. So I, if you can get Jerome Ford, he might help you You know, down the stretch here. Not down the stretch. We're only at week four, but he can help you long-term this season. Maybe you know get you a dynasty championship or a redraft championship. Championship. Uh, he could be a league winner. He really could. He's looked good so far. He's on a, a team that likes to run the ball, a team to run the ball very well. Uh, if you're a contender, I'd go out and try to acquire him. If you're if you're a rebuilder, it's probably a good chance you would want to sell him because he's going to make your he's going to make your draft pick worse. Unfortunately. All right, so let's get into a, a week three breakdown a little bit. We're going to talk about some of the the good and the bad. We'll start out with the bad. How about Kansas City just absolutely smashing Chicago? Surprise, right? No. But 41 to 10, and Justin Fields looks horrible. The Bears' offense is absolutely atrocious. Um, they haven't won a game since October of last year. We're coming up on a calendar year of them not winning a football game, and that is going to get somebody fired, and that is going to get somebody replaced as a quarterback if they can't start winning football games or if he can't really turn it around because it's not on it's not all on Justin Fields. Let's be honest here. But his unfortunately his career win loss uh record is 5 and 23 and like I said he is going to he is on the hot seat right now. He was 11 for 22, 99 yards, one TD, one interception, 11 uh 11 rushes for 47 yards. They I can say I watched the game right before recording this. Uh, the all 22 and I just basically focused on the Bears offense in general and there is a bunch wrong uh, it's not just Justin Fields their protection's not great their wide receivers are not getting open and if they are getting open they're waving their hands Justin Fields isn't reading the defense and is not seeing them wide open when he does find them he they're dropping passes I can think of two off the top of my head from the past two weeks. DJ Moore down the sideline last week, dropped it. That was a beautiful pass to DJ Moore on the sideline, which is, I thought, going to be a dynamic duo this year in fantasy football. It's kind of been one-sided because DJ Moore is still a wide receiver too. But he also had a pass two weeks ago where he had a rollout, play-action rollout, and he threw it down the sideline to Cole Komet. Defender really made a nice play breaking that pass up. Komet's got to catch that. Got to catch that because that, that pass was beautiful. If I can find it, I'll retweet it. But it he's ha- he does have, again, I've said this a couple times, but it feels like the Chicago Bears are driving a Lamborghini in bumper-to-bumper traffic in New York City. You're not playing to his strengths. I the best Some of the best throws I saw from Fields are when he's rolling out and letting it rip when he's able to make plays for himself, when he's improvising. But they're kind of trying to make him into a pocket passer and slowing him down. It's just, it's it's not really working. And he has a lot of growing to do as a passer. Because like I said, 
there are wide receivers that are waving their hands, telling him that he's open. He's just not seeing them. And it's frustrating. And it's frustrating for someone who was a Justin Fields truther going into this year, a Justin Fields truther going into dynasty aspects. It's frustrating. I would say if I were to put a panic meter on him, I'd say a 7.5. And if they lose this week, we'll talk about that later. It's at a 10 and I'm hitting the button. I don't know if I could start him again if he looks bad and the Bears just look bad. I don't know if I can start him again this year. And I don't think you can be able to, I don't think you'd be able to trade him because I don't think you would get the value of adjusted fields if you were ever to turn it around. And I don't think there's going to be many people that are looking to acquire Justin Fields if he just, again, puts up another dud. Chicago, if they can't figure this out, you're possibly looking at a top pick. You're looking at a Caleb Williams. You're looking at a Drake May. Do they pull the trigger on one of those guys if Justin Fields can't get it done? Probably. And that's frustrating because I, again, was a Justin Fields truther. And it's frustrating. I've said that several times in this episode. I'm probably going to say it more because two weeks ago I watched the offense looked bland and I watched it again this week and the offense just looks bland again. It, it's it's not all on Justin Fields, but he's going to fall on the sword because of the offense looking bland. That sucks. It sucks for quarterbacks. <laughs> it sucks for coaches because they're the ones that always take the heat. But that's what the NFL is. If you can't get it done you're out. And he just hasn't been able to get it done. I'm pretty sure he hasn't even had a 300-yard passing game yet in his career. And that's it's not good. It's not good. You have to be able to make throws in this league, big boy throws in this league. And he's just he hasn't shown that he can do it. Or you know what? He has shown it, but he's not consistently enough showing it. And that's that sucks. We'll get into the next thing. Let's talk about the Texans. Let's talk about the Offensive Rookie of the Month. Let's talk about the guy who might jump Justin Fields in Dynasty rankings if he does not turn this around. Let's talk about the guy I thought that would probably be better than Bryce Young and so far through three weeks it's looking like that. So I'm not going to jump the conclusion just yet. But let's talk about CJ Stroud. Last week they went in and they beat Jacksonville. And he looked good. 20-30, 280 yards. Two TDs, again, Offensive Rookie of the Month. Man, they might have they might have a, guy, a top 12 Dynasty quarterback. They might. They might, and he's Q, QB 14 on the year so far. I do think he, he's, he might. Ugh, it's hard to say right now it's a rook, as a rookie on a team that really isn't, like, offensively explosive that he could finish as a QB 1. He might just be right outside of that. He's not really a rusher either, but he's looked really, really good. He looks precise. He looks, uh, he looks like he's not putting the ball in danger. He's not, he, he just looks like an NFL quarterback right now. And he doesn't look like the game's too big for him, which is awesome. I, I thought, uh, <laughs> back to Justin Fields, I thought he was going to be the, uh, highest day outlier, but it might be CJ Stroud. Let's talk about another rookie. That's really tearing it up. And I've been a big fan of Tank Dell. Last week, five receptions, 145 yards and a touchdown. 
a guy who plays more dog in him than Quentin Johnson, despite his size. I have been a big fan of Tank Dell. He has shown that the size is not the issue for him, or it hasn't been so far. He knows how to beat man coverage and beat press coverage. It's just so far, it looks really good. He looks so good. And if you were able to scoop him up in the third round of your dynasty rookie drafts, congratulations, because you may have something. Again, it's through three weeks. I don't want to take victory laps. I don't want to take overreacts. But I'm victory lapping. I do it all the time. I lied. I victory lap. I don't really overreact to negative you know, things, but I victory lap. <laughs> I'm going to continue victory lapping until it bites, bites me and I end up on fantasy receipts. But he looks good. But I will say there's one player on the Jacksonville side that I'm a little concerned about. Trevor Lawrence he hasn't really put it together. QB 20 on the year? That, that is not good. It has not been a good start for the Jacksonville uh, offense. I mean, Calvin, Calvin Ridley dropped a few passes in the end zone. really doesn't help him, but 15.4 points. Something's up. They got to figure it out soon For if you want that Jacksonville team to be something. They got to figure out that offense. I put out a poll, or no, sorry. Rich and I have gone back and forth whether you'd have Trevor Lawrence or Justin Herbert. I've been on the Justin Herbert side. He's been on the Trevor Lawrence side. So far, that has looked good for me. Again, victory lapping through three weeks. But I don't know, man. They got to they gotta figure it out. Doug Peterson like, has to figure out what's going on with that offense. And he can... he. I mean, we as an Eagles fan, I've seen Doug Peterson turn things around, and I've also seen Doug Peterson lead a train wreck. The year three of the Philadelphia Eagles, year four of his Eagles tenure, it he he, he does have train wrecks at time. The the teams seem to turn, well, the organization seems to turn on him, but they they got to figure it out soon. Otherwise, they could they could really fall behind. And again, that division's wide open. So I don't really, I'm not really worried about Jacksonville losing that division, but how are they going to keep up with these high powered offenses of the AFC? I don't know. We'll see. Trevor Lawrence really has to turn it up. He really has to, but let's get into the week three Detroit versus Atlanta. Detroit wins that one. I actually thought Atlanta was going to win that, but egg on my face. Sam Laporta so far has been a tight end one through three weeks, well, four weeks, but we'll talk about that later. Uh, he he has looked really good. He looks he looks really good after the catch. He looks, you know, like he's a favorite target of uh, Jared Goff so far, and he looks like Goff trusts trust him. But I'll ma- mainly focus on the Atlanta aspect of this because, again, we'll talk about Detroit again in a little bit. When it comes to week four, because that game happened last night, recording this on Friday night, this will be out of Saturday night. So we're a little behind, but Kyle Pitts and Drake London, whew, it's frustrating. It is frustrating to watch. Uh, this is obviously our run first team, but you have two prolific, highly drafted pass catchers and you are just not using them. And it is frustrating. As somebody who's a big fan of Drake London, 
and somebody who has, I unfortunately have no shares because I was just wasn't able to get them. I tried to get them this past week and I traded the person turned, changed their mind uh, at the last second. But Kyle Pitts is some, someone I do have in a few leagues and I thought was going to be a generational tight end uh, for Dynasty. The jury's not out yet, but if they stay in Atlanta and they don't figure out the quarterback situation, which they might in the draft, uh, they we could be looking at two major dynasty flops if Atlanta can't figure this out uh, as a, in a quarterback aspect or if these two don't get traded at some point. Kyle Pitts could eventually get traded. I think Drake London's going to be there for a bit because he's second-year wide receiver, but I'm holding out hope. And to be honest with you, and I know I just said all this negative stuff, but I'm buying low. I am trying to buy low. Didn't work for Drake London, but I would try to buy Kyle Pitts low if I could, and I'm not selling low, to be honest with you, but unless I can get something substantially better, maybe unless I can get like a Dalton Kincaid or something, maybe, but... I I believe that the generational talent that we saw coming into the draft and year one is there. They just got to figure out the pass catching, pass thrower. Because Desmond Ritter right now is not it, and I don't know if he's ever going to be it. I had hopes for him, but he is just, he looks bad. He looks bad. And it, it, it unfortunately doesn't help Drake London or Kyle Pitts at all. But I'd, I, I'd buy low. I'm sure there's somebody that will sell Drake London, that will sell Kyle Pitts for a first. Somebody who's really frustrated. Somebody who's fed up with this Atlanta uh, pass catching. I don't know. But I, 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 I am a big fan of both of their talents. I think, I, I think it's going to be a wait-and-see approach. Uh, but it's it sucks right now. It sucks right now if you have either one of those two guys on your dynasty rosters. Because you, I'm sure there's a million people out there that have no idea what to do. And that's why I'm here, kind of, because uh, because I'm I'm scratching my head with Kyle Pitts too. But I I I think I'd be buying low. I, I'm not, and I'm not selling low because I think that te- the talent is too good to sell low. So we'll let's get into the absolute shellacking of the week of week three, the seventy to twenty debacle, Miami Denver game, where the Miami Dolphins were three points off of tying their record for most points scored in a game. The Miami offense is the best in football right now in all offensive categories, and the Denver defense looks absolute trash. I don't understand how Miami had two. Running back ones, running back one and two, actually on the week, and Devon Achain and Raheem Mosert. But they did. They somehow did. And they had the Q, uh, the QB2 on the week, and the wide receiver four, and in Tyreek Hill, and they didn't have Jalen Waddle. They might have scored 90 if they had Jalen Waddle on the field. But they didn't. And they were able to get it done in a multifaceted way. You know, pass catching running everything. Denver couldn't do anything to stop it. You know, Tua has two no-look passes, tough for touchdowns to Devon Achain. But 
If you have Davon Achain on your roster right now, I am sure you're doing backflips because he looks good. He looks explosive. That track speed is um, what we thought it was going to be. Uh, Tavon Achain was somebody I was like 50-50 with. I was a bit of a sizist, but I saw the talents that the talent is there. You can't you can't deny it, you know. But I was a little concerned with the size, but he he's shown that eh, size ain't the issue. He's getting it done. Or he got it done last week, and I think I I think he can continue to get it done. I don't think you could have handpicked a better landing spot for him than Miami. It is just a track meet on that team. It is an absolute track meet. How can you keep up with guys that are running four twos, four early four threes? How I I wouldn't want to be a defense trying to stop them. I wouldn't want to. And if you drafted so one QB, uh, Chain probably was a late first, Superflex probably early second because of quarterbacks pushing everything down. But if you have him now, you're you're excited. And if you you probably could get two first for him or two plus or a first plus in a one QB. You probably you can't get that in Superflex, but you could definitely get first plus. You definitely could because he he. Some there are going to be people that are going to be super excited about him. I am super excited about him. I only have one share of Devon Achain. Uh, I don't know if I'd be buying right now because that price is going to be super expensive. But if you can, and if you're a contender and you believe in the talent, or if you know, if you want to have somebody for your roster, if you're not, if you're a middling team, if you want to have somebody on your roster for next year, then maybe go out and grab them. Yeah, you know, it's it's not a bad flyer to take because he looks good so far. And he's in the like I said, the perfect spot. The perfect spot for them to just run up the score. Let's talk about Tua, by the way. We've talked about this. Rich is not the biggest fan of Tua because of the injuries. I was a bit of a Tua believer because I felt like this offense was too good to fail. And so far through three weeks, it has looked like that. So if you have if you have Tua as your QB1, I'm sure you're definitely excited right now. And he is probably going to, if Justin Fields can't figure this out, he's probably another one that could be passing Justin Fields on my rankings for quarterbacks because of just the absolute talent around them in Miami. I, it's just they got to keep him upright. They got to keep him healthy. So far, so good. Again, they're like statistically the best offense in football right now. Uh, points per game, yards per game. They're just, they're racking it up right now. So to a, to a man, if you're, if you were a believer before you, but him to ride the, ride the wave, ride the wave. Cause he looks good. And this offense looks good. All right. Let's get into week four. We had a game last night. Uh, Detroit, Detroit lions and the green Bay Packers. Detroit went into Lambeau and, Put a, put a pretty good shellacking on Green Bay, I'll tell you. 34 to 20. They essentially what I what I when I was watching, they they owned both sides of the ball, in my opinion. They owned the defensive line, they owned the offensive line. I mean, granted, Green Bay's offensive line is pretty beat up right now with Batiari out, but you know, nobody was out there stopping Aiden Hutchinson doing whatever he wanted. 
By the way, speaking of Aiden Hutchinson, speaking of Jacksonville a few minutes ago, what a miss taking Walker over Hutchinson, Jacksonville, and letting him fall to Detroit. But, I mean, who am I to say as an Eagles fan? Hmm, missing talent. But anyway, so Jared Goff last night, 19 for 28, 210 yards, one TD, one interception. That interception came on the first drive, and then he completely turned around. Jared Goff has looked really good. This offense looks tailored to him. This offense looks explosive. This offense looks uh, like it has an abundance of pass catchers. This offense looks like it's a dynasty gold mine right now. I mean, besides David Montgomery, he's not really a dynasty. He's eh, kind of a dynasty asset, but 32 for 121, three TDs. If you put money on David Montgomery to have three TDs last night, congratulations. I don't know how many people did, but if you did, congratulations. I know, before I get into the next thing, let's talk about Laporta. 4 for 56 has shown that he can be the second pass catcher on that offense. I know I said I wanted to talk about Detroit later, but now we're at that later point. So let's talk about Sam Laporta. He has moved into, he has to have moved into the top 10 dynasty tight ends, probably top six. Uh, He looks very good so far. Very good after the catch, very good hands, a reliable quarterback at this point. Uh, he, he has shown he can be in the number two. He has shown he can he, that Jared Goff has faith in him. He's just got to keep it up. Right now, he's the second most targeted uh, tight end in the league through three weeks. We're not counting last week because not everybody's played, but he's the second most targeted tight end in the league uh, behind TJ Hawkinson. And I can I can see him finishing. He, I mean, he's the he's a tight end one right now, so it's not out of the realm of possibility he's going to finish that way. You know, if he stays healthy, uh, he's looked good. Now let's talk about what people have been panic about, panicking about. Jameer Gibbs, eight for forty, four yard, uh, four receptions, eleven yards. Uh, Montgomery obviously got the bulk of the carries, especially around the goal line. Um, real quick last week, Gibbs did have the bulk of the carries because of Montgomery being out, but we figured, I figured anyway, that coming into this year, Montgomery would be the guy early on, the guy, definitely the guy around the goal line, because that is one of the best things Montgomery's good for is, you know, pounding the ball. And I mean, Gibbs is a decent, you know, between the tackles guy, but I mean, he's not really a goal line back. So I don't know what people expected when Detroit gets to the red zone. You know, they're they're not looking for Gibbs there. They're just going to pound the rock. And that's what they've done because they have the bet one of the best offensive line in football. And they have a goal line back. So everybody's got to stop freaking out. It's his fourth game as a rookie. Yes, his usage is confusing. But the, uh, Detroit's winning games. So why change it? Don't panic. He's going to get more touches as the year goes on. He's going to be more of a receiving back as the year goes on. Give it time. You drafted him in the first round for a reason. You saw the talent. I saw the talent. The RB2 of the class. The top five, top six dynasty running back. Don't panic after four weeks. Don't worry about the usage right now. This is dynasty. 
this the you don't win your you don't win your redraft leagues in four weeks. Relax. It'll come. It's gonna happen. Trust me. It'll come. But let's get to the Green Bay Packers side of the ball. Jordan Love, 23 at 36, 246 yards, one TD, two interceptions, and one rushing touchdown. I mean, through four weeks, Jordan Love's looked all right. You know, he's been a bit inaccurate. He's he's been he's been sailing the ball a bit. I I've seen it a few times. One thing I will say about you know Green Bay is that they need to start putting the foot on the pedal a little bit sooner because it seems like I mean at least for the last two weeks they've let games kind of start slipping away in the first half. You know, luckily for them against New Orleans, they were able to turn it around and win because New Orleans, you know, Derek Carr went out, the offense was sputtering a little bit. Green Bay was able to get some, you know, score points, win the game. They weren't able to do that against one of the best offenses in football right now. They weren't able to really keep up with Detroit. I, I do think I, I still like Jordan Love. I still like him as a quarterback. I still think he could be the future of the Green Bay Packers. I see some people that are saying on Twitter that, you know, he's not the guy. You know, he, this is who he is. He's going to be mediocre, blah, 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 blah. We, it's week four. It's week four of his, his, his you know, essential rookie season. People will say, oh, he sat behind Aaron Rodgers for three years or two years or whatever it was. Okay. So what? That doesn't mean that doesn't mean you're out there playing with the ones. That mean that that's not that doesn't mean anything to me. You sat behind Aaron Rodgers for three years. So what? What you know, he put his big point pants on and he's looked pretty good so far. He he's gotta calm it down a little bit. He's gotta, you know, hit his receivers in stride. He's gotta hit his receivers when they're open because he's sailing it. But and this offense has been banged up. That offensive line couldn't stop me last night. And, well, they probably could have. But they couldn't stop anybody. You know, Aiden Hutchinson, like I said, was just, just absolutely monst- monstering them last night. They couldn't get the running game going. Aaron Jones came back. You know, he wasn't really much of anything because they had him on a snap count. His first game back since week one. A.J. Dillon doesn't look to be that guy. And that's frustrating because... I saw A.J. Dillon as a guy who could be a good fantasy running back, especially in, you know, uh, the goal line situations and, you know, maybe a full-time back. But somebody said on the Dynasty DNA crew, shout out to them, looks like Tarzan plays like Jane, you know, big dude, doesn't play big, and it's frustrating. How are you that big and not scoring on the goal line? I mean, I get it. The offense, like I said with Jordan Love, the offensive line is banged up, but you, you still should be able to run through people at that size. You should be. I mean, I don't know. But again, I, I might be out on A.J. Dillon. It, it might be time to move on if you can. I've seen some trades. Some people are frustrated. I mean, I, I, why wouldn't you be? He hasn't really commanded that backfield. Uh, without Aaron Jones, you know, he hasn't commanded, he hasn't gotten Aaron Jones off the field. And I mean, let's be fair though. Aaron Jones is pretty damn good running back when healthy, but he's just, he just doesn't look like he has, he just doesn't look like he has an every down back workload. He don't even look like he's a goal line back right now. No, unfortunately, but Christian Watson came back last night, two for 25 and a TD. He ran half his, he had half 
of Jordan Love's uh, dropbacks route participation, and but they had him on a snap count, so that's expect expected. But you know, in his limited playing, he looked all right again, two for twenty-five and a TD. He had that one-yard TD pass, which I almost panicked because he kind of like fumbled it a little bit and caught it, and then kept his feet in bounds. Good for him. Good to see him back. That is a wide receiver I really like. A guy again that can get open down the field, a big target for Jordan Love. It'll be interesting to see what this offense looks like when they are 100%, when Aaron Jones is 100%, when Christian Watson's 100%, when he's not on a snap count, when they're both not on a snap count, when Batiari's, you know, back. Um, but we'll see. Romeo Dobbs, nine, nine for 95. He looks solid. He looks like a trustworthy target for Jordan Love and Jaden Reed, three for 33 with a deep pass on the double zeros. A lot of people were pissed off about that. They, uh, Refs kind of blew that one a little bit, to be honest. They, uh, I don't know if you watched the clock, but you know the the time clock hit double zeros, and somehow they let Green Bay get the playoff and absolutely just throw a bomb. But that shouldn't have happened. I mean, let's be honest, it it, it shouldn't have happened. The refs got to be better, but it happened, and it was a nice catch by Reed. He's looked pretty good. He's another guy that, that if. If, like I said, if that Green Bay offense can get healthy and Christian Watson's back and Aaron Jones is back, they, they look, they're, most of them besides Aaron Jones are unproven. Christian Watson, his second year, has been banged up both years. It's a little frustrating. Romeo Dobbs, his second year, he's looked all right so far this year. Jaden Reed, um, a guy I liked coming out of the draft, a good slot wide receiver, another guy who plays bigger than he is. Um, Luke Musgrave got unfortunately had a concussion, so he left early in the game. But this offense could be this offense could be something if they can just get it all together. But we shall see. We shall see if they can get the ship right. They've looked good, but you know, they ran into a buzzsaw, unfortunately for them, right? And they just got shellacked at home against a better offense right now. But we will see. All right, let's go into a few games that I'm interested in this week. I know a lot of people don't like it. To be honest, I love it. I love having a nice breakfast, a nice cereal, a nice, you know, maybe eggs and bacon. I'm watching the London game at 9.30 in the morning. I love it. I absolutely love it. So we have Atlanta versus Jacksonville. Again, this is a tough test for Trevor Lawrence because the Atlanta defense has been pretty stingy to quarterbacks this year only allowing 16.3 fantasy points to the position. Uh, we, we shall see. Uh, Atlanta's pl- uh, plus three against Jacksonville. I Look, man, I don't know. But if if Jacksonville can't figure this offense, they might lose this one. And it's in London. I mean, Jacksonville's pretty used to London at this point because they've been there like every single year. I think they're the most played team in J- London so far. But this could be a trap. This could be a trap for Jacksonville. Or would you really call it a trap when they're not really playing up to par? I don't know. But we'll see. Trevor Lawrence really, again, needs to step it up. But this is a tough, this is a tough task. This is a really tough task. This, you know, the Atlanta offense might not be, you know, world beaters. But that defense has definitely woken up. You know, Jesse Bates looks really good. Uh, A.J. Terrell is a stud. You know, this secondary has been given hell to quarterback so far this year. We'll see. We will see. 
Uh, Jacksonville, again, I'm going to fall into this trap. I know it. Jacksonville has not been good against the tight end so far this year. I think I've put Kyle Pitts in my starts on Twitter probably twice already. Will I do it again? I don't know. Probably. But they're just, they haven't. Let's, let me look that up real quick. They ha- haven't been able to stop the tight end just yet this year. Um, and Kyle Pitts is that kind of quarter, uh, wide receiver, not wide receiver, tight end that could beat uh, a team like Jacksonville. But again, it's it, it comes down to Desmond Ritter, and that's that's the frustrating part. So they have given up. So they are ranked. They are ranked fourth, which you know uh, is one of the lower ends. They've given up thirteen point three points to the position. I mean, maybe this could be. <laughs> maybe I can't wait to believe I'm about to say, but maybe this could be the week Kyle Pitts breaks out. Maybe the London game is what they needed. <laughs> Maybe a trip overseas will tur- turn this offense around. Maybe a few tea and crumpets will, you know, give the give them the edge. Maybe a little bit of the caffeine and the sugar will get them going. We'll see. But I, I kind of like Atlanta in this game, to be honest with you. Jacksonville scares me a little bit. We'll see. The next one on the, the uh, agenda that I have is the Dolphins versus the Bills. Uh, this game is in Buffalo. Miami's a plus three against Buffalo. So they're not obviously not favored in Buffalo at home. But Jordan Poyer is out as a staple of the Buffalo defense. Whew. I mean, Tua, Tua could have some fun without him out there. But we shall see. Again, I've said Miami leads in all offensive categories so far this year. So Buffalo's defense is uh, in for a match. But... On the flip side, Jordan Love in his career versus Miami is 9-2, 267 yards, 276 yards, sorry, 34 TDs ground and passing yards or passing or rushing touchdowns combined and 10 turnovers, you know, interceptions, fumbles. So that is a team that he's been really good against in his career. And Buffalo hasn't been, has not been the offensive juggernaut we're used to so far. I mean, they look all right, but I mean, they haven't really, they haven't really just blown the doors off anybody yet. And I don't, I obviously don't think it's going to happen this year because Miami can keep up with anybody, but I would like to see an offensive showing, you know, this game, you know, this is one of those games where you think it's going to be a, just a, you know, a, a complete shootout. But again, it's a division game, so it might not be as, you know, as exciting. But it's going to be exciting. But uh, scoring exciting. We'll see. I, I kind of like Buffalo in this one. I mean, this could be this could be a down game from Miami just after dropping 70 on somebody. We'll see. And Buffalo really needs to turn it around, so offensively. But we'll see. Then we got uh, the Chargers versus the Raiders, another division game. This game, somehow the Raiders are only four and a half point underdogs, which, all right. I mean, it's a division game, but the Chargers are the second best offense in football, and Justin Herbert hasn't turned the ball over yet. Six touchdowns, no interceptions, and 939 yards. I mean, yeah, I mean, the Chargers are banged up offensively. I guess I haven't really seen if Austin Eckler's playing. We know Mike Williams is out. We talked about that earlier, but... 
I don't know if the Raiders can keep up. I mean, Devontae Adams looks good. It's really about it. Josh Jacobs hasn't done anything. Um, we'll see. I, I, I this sh- LA should win this. They need to win this because that's another team that's kind of been like, you know, really good offensively, but hasn't really won anything yet. Uh, I think they're one. They're one and two. Let's look that up real quick. But they they really need to give a shellacking to um, to the Raiders, and they are well. They lost to the Titans, which I did not see that one coming. They are. They beat the Vikings. Yeah, they're one and two so far this year, and yeah, they lost to Miami, <laughs> thirty-six to thirty-four. I forgot about that game. That was week one. That was fun. That was an offensive game, but you know, I mean, I know the Chargers' defense has kind of struggled so far this year, but I, I just don't see anything on the Raiders' uh, side of the football that can really stop them, or that can really, you know, not stop them, but you know, press them basically. Let's let's talk about Justin Herbert for a little while because I've talked about him a little bit. I put him as my dog tag for the one episode in the AFC West. Man, he again, he's really good. He he's obviously going to finish better than Joe Burrow this year, in my opinion, because Joe Burrow is off to an extremely slow start. But I am contemplating putting Herbert above Burrow in my rankings. So right now, just you know, for Shits and giggles. My rankings of quarterbacks right now are Mahomes for Dynasty. Mahomes, Allen, Hurts, Burrow, Herbert. That's my top five. I am starting to think I want to put Herbert at four. And I think I'm going to. I just I need to see how Burrow looks the rest of this year. But I think there's a world of possibility where next year in your startup drafts, Justin Herbert's going to be going before. Joe Herb, Joe Burrow, especially because of the way that offense has looked so far. And if they can, you know, Brandon Staley can stay out of his own damn way. There's not a whole lot of stopping them on offense because that dude, that dude just makes questionable decisions all over the place. They went for it on fourth down in their own territory and almost blew that game against Minnesota last week. So again, Brandon Staley can stay out of his own way. Justin Herbert will be in my top four next year. We'll see. We got to see. Obviously, but there is a world of possibility where he is going to be above Burrow for me. Last game I want to talk about the Chicago Bears versus the Denver Broncos. This is a get right game for both of those teams because both of those teams look like absolute dog shit so far. Um, Chicago is the underdog at home, which that's just that's just a slap in the face, Chicago. But I mean, yeah. It's a sla- I mean, Denver just got slapped in the face last week, so they have to come out hot. They have to come out and prove something. But Chicago also has to do the same thing. This is make or break for me for Justin Fields when it comes to Dynasty and when it comes to um, redraft because he. I don't think I could start him uh, with confidence going forward if he can't get it done this week, if he can't put the team on his back and you know carry them which you might have to. But again, the Broncos are another team that are make or break as well because they, again, they can't, you know, two, the two weeks before getting shellacked, 
they blew second half leads and that's coaching. You know, that's, that's frustrating. That's, that defense is not the same as what it used to be. Sean Payton's got to figure it out soon. Otherwise they could be a top pick next year, which maybe they maybe they, that's what they want. Who knows? Um, maybe they are, they want to be in the Caleb Williams, win, uh, sweepstakes. I know Sean Payton has said, uh, before that he likes Caleb Williams. So we'll see, but it's just, you know, when I, when I saw Sean Payton come in as a Denver Broncos coach, I thought that there was going to be uh, a difference offensively for Denver. And it's just not there yet. I mean, maybe it takes a year. Maybe they need to retool and rebuild before this thing really takes off, which is possible. I mean, you know, he, he inherited a, a team that's not his. So a lot of the times coaches will come in and tear down and then restart it over again. So that's possibly what they'll do. I mean, Jordan, uh, Jordan Love, Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy were two guys that were talked about being on the trade block going into the season. I mean, if they continue to lose, you know, we could see one of those two guys moved. Uh, we'll see, but they, they just look flat in the second half of games. They just got shellacked. One of their offensive linemen was, you know, interviewed and saying like, I come into this league and all I do is done is lose, which, you know, the team's got to hear that team's got to be frustrated. They got to, they got to get it right. Otherwise, like I said, they're in the Jordan, uh, Jordan Moth. I keep doing Caleb Williams sweepstakes. But again, this is also make or break for me for fields. Uh, he, he's got to get it done. He's got to, he's got to get to, what did I say earlier? He's got to get to six and 23 win loss record. He's got to get it done. He's got to, otherwise they are going to pull the plug on that team because they are just bad all over the place, defensively, offensively, uh, everywhere. But that'll be it for this week. Uh, you know, tune in next week. Uh, Rich will be back. Uh, we'll be back to full strength. You know, we won't be a banged up team here anymore. But again, for the Dynasty Dogs, for Win Daily, thank you for listening. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Dynasty Dog Mike, at Dynasty Dog Rich, and at Win Daily Sports. I'll see you guys next week. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.